You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Calling all trivia nerds. Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil and welcome to this beautiful disaster that we call a podcast. I'm here with Jeff and Ken and Matt. How is everyone? Doing well. I I like your descriptor of the show. Well, we're yeah. all mixed up here, and uh, Neil's a big three eleven fan, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was not a random reference; uh, it was a homebrew reference for everyone here because uh, we're all down to play trivia today because it is episode three hundred and eleven. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, <it is>. You <laughs> idiot! <laughs> <laughs> so we, like, what is going on? We could have had uh, lead singer three eleven Nick Hexum do the rules read, but I didn't think it was worth it for we one episode. We couldn't get him. Yeah, three hundred eleven dollars. Next, next episode, Neil will be all about the local area code drops. <laughs> well, do, hey, next episode's three twelve, so we have another mm-hmm. reference that we can throw. So get ready for that one next week. Um, but yeah, it's uh, episode three hundred eleven, which is pretty fun. Uh, and yeah, that was just a nice little uh, three eleven reference for anyone who listens to them. Uh, our friend Phil is a huge fan. I think I've seen them like five or six times. So yeah, shout out to uh, Phil. Good job, Phil. Shout out to Phil. <laughs> five or six times. I, yeah, I, I have seen them. I think five or six times. It's always a good show. But the, one of the best shows I've ever seen though was Three Eleven with Snoop Dogg opening for them. It was insane. Snoop Dogg opened uh, for Three Eleven. Snoop Dogg opened for Three Eleven, and uh, I won't talk about it on the show. But it's probably the the most debaucherous activity I've ever been in. Uh, so <laughs> it was a it was for a crazy me concert. Personally, the appropriate amount of times to see Three Eleven would be like point eight. Point, yeah. <laughs> Just like, yeah, one, like to see him once, but I'd probably almost leave a little one. bit early. <laughs> like one song at some sort of... Uh, I'd, I'd beat the crowd out. Sausage Fest, like they play like one as song. Soon as, as soon as they play Amber, Ken's no, done. Point eight. Point eight. Point eight. Oh, it's not even so a full song. So I just song. leave a little early. Okay. No, point eight times. Point, oh, total. So okay. I see most of this show, and then I leave I think early. It's a, oh, I see. I see the crowd. I don't want to be, cover band. be in the crowd. That would be point eight, I think. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you don't see the the big finale right. when they bring the drums out. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, well, today is a, a great day. We're uh, welcoming back uh, one of our friends who's been on the show uh, a bunch of times. Uh, so excited to have him back here uh, over in Seattle now. Uh, New Digs, uh, Savage Superstar on Patreon, JP Adams, Judge JP. How are you? I'm doing fine, Neil. How are you is? I am doing awesome, and uh, we love having you on the show. Uh, just remind folks about you and, and what you're up to. Yeah, so uh, last time I was on the show was in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, the end of 2021 made a move out here to the Seattle area. Lover of all things geeky, nerdy, pop culture-y. Uh, previous host of a podcast called The Geek Bracket. Uh, not 
back yet. We're going to see if that happens. But uh, if you're looking for a little bit older take on some pop culture trivia stuff, feel free to pop over and listen to that. Awesome. Yeah, it's a wonderful show. Definitely check it out if you haven't heard it and you want to get up on that geek uh, and pop culture trivia. Uh, we'll appreciate you being here and for putting together a game. Our next uh, special guest coming to us is just another in a line of our wonderful council who is going to help protect us uh, for when we eventually get sued from every which way but loose. Uh, but uh, thank you for, for being here, Ellie Zweibel uh, from Denver, Colorado, not a robot on Patreon. We appreciate you being here. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and also the, the great work that you're doing. Yeah, sure. Uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, it will be difficult provide counsel to you all uh, since my practice is uh, juvenile civil rights and keeping kids in school and out of prison. Um, maybe keep my name for the future. Hopefully you won't need it. Um, but yeah, I'm out here in Denver, Colorado, uh, and I feel uh, excited to be on the show. Um, and I hope that for the 311 theme, it's not a beautiful disaster. Thank and you. If, if we act like children, does that count? Or do we have to actually be children? Uh, while I am a lawyer, I'm not your lawyer, and so I can't provide any advice on that question. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, we have our teams uh, planned out. It's going to be Matt and Ellie, and you guys chose a team name. What was that again? Um, I believe it has to do with Ellie's uh, sleeping pattern or lack of sleep. Um, what's going on over there? Yeah, so I have an eight-month-old baby uh, who inconsistently Congrats. sleeps through, thank you, inconsistently sleeps through the night and through naps. And so we are, Matt's suggestion, the, the insomnomaniacs. All right. And then you guys quickly responded. That uh, to, follow, to follow up from there, I guess we should be Bill Clinton plays the sax. All right. So we have our teams. And as we know, we have multiple rule reads. So sometimes Darren comes and goes and comes and goes sometimes. But uh, today we have Darren. So let's get the rules. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. And as you said, sometimes he comes and goes, but today he come original. So, um, yeah, ready to play. <laughs> I forgot there, were, forgot there were that many 311 songs. There is a lot. 311 many, many songs, then they stopped. That was it. Anyway, let's go ahead and kick off round one, which is an ode to the geek bracket. Uh, the way my trivia show ran is that we had nine topics that got covered on every single show. So I took each of those topics and wrote a question in each of them. So we'll start off with question number one in the category of television called Starry Nights. Late Night got its first full-time puppet host. When what character began hosting their own show in 2020 on HBO Max, edited to be in short 15-minute bites? Uh, we can lock in over here, Jeff, if you trust me. Oh, mm. I do. Fully. So they're locked in right away. Um, what do you know about puppet late-night hosts? I know of two puppet late-night hosts. Uh, one of them for children that's not actually late, right, in terms of Elmo. But I'm thinking because of the clue, 15 minute bites, that this is probably the insult comic dog. Oh, Triumph? They brought yeah. him back? He's he's back around. 
All right. Perhaps I don't know if Triumph ever left. He just seems to bounce around between different different hands. That's a good answer. For me to poop on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I think uh, Ellie said it. I, I believe it was Elmo. He wore a suit and a tux or something behind a desk, kind of like Jimmy Fallon, and um, they had those little episodes because we showed them to our niece, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Elmo. And I think I misled you a little bit at the end. The hint was actually in the category name of Starry Nights, said like a question mark, because we are definitely taking sunny days in as we head to Sesame mm. Street because the host is Elmo. All right, we'll swing into question number two in the category of theater called What a Drag? Kate Blanchett garnered a 2007 Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress for her work in I'm Not There, a biopic about what musical icon whose first major work appeared in the 1960s. So it looks like Neil and Jeff are locked in here. What do you guys say? Um, are you familiar with this this work? I'm not I there. I am. I remember trying to watch the whole movie. It's not uh, good. And just not making it um i think i made it through the Kate blanchett vignette uh, is that, is that when she plays bob we, dylan one of the six or seven yeah, bob robert Dylans. zimmerman yeah, yeah this is bob dylan yep jeff um why don't you uh pinch my belly like the bob dylan um uh what's the cookie guy where you put punch his belly the pillsbury doughboy yeah the bob dylan pillsbury doughboy just punch my stomach hey <laughs> all right we locked him with bob dylan and Bob Dylan is correct. This is, as Matt alluded to, the film where like there's five or six different people that play Dylan in this film, and Kate Blanchett is there kind of in a drag role, which is interesting because normally it's the other direction, male to female for drag roles on film. She's always really good. Um, and yeah, if, if you want to go to our store and our website, you can get the Bob Dylan Pillsbury Doughboy, and you can push his tummy. We have that. We you're, will. you're in a mood today. <laughs> Well, I didn't. I didn't take the muscle relaxer until I'm going to take it later. So I'm I'm oh, hyped good. up right now. Can't Neil's wait. talking good. faster than Dylan in Subterranean Homesick Blues. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect speed though for Ellie, because as he told us before we start recording, he likes listening to us at 1.5 speed. <laughs> All right, we'll swing over to question three in literature in the category of screw you. In C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, the entire book is framed as letters written between senior demon Screwtape and his junior tempter nephew, stationed on Earth to ensure the damnation of the human he is assigned to. What is this nephew's name, shared also with a primary ingredient in the creation of absinthe? Matt, have you written The Green Dragon? <laughs> uh yeah there was a brief period after i turned 21 where it was like very legal and everywhere but it wasn't like real absence very disappointing that is it yes let's lock in with that all right so they're locked in uh absinthe what i mean i think we should probably start there i don't know if you're familiar with the book or story no i've never heard of this book i'm assuming that the reason that the absinthe that you were frustrated with the absinthe that you had was because it lacked the wormwood. Correct. Yeah, they don't put that in the American version of absinthe. Um, I don't know if wormwood would be a name. Um, I was thinking anise. I know that that's the main ingredient in absinthe. Uh, I was leaning that way because um, it sounded more like a name than wormwood. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll buy it. All right. So we're going to lock in with anise. All right. Well, the demon's name is Screw Tape, so I think all bets are off. But uh, <laughs> that's fair. What do you guys have? Yeah, um, actually, a little bit of a group effort on this one. Didn't think I had anything. Neil had a nice little in here, and uh, we're gonna guess Wormwood. We feel pretty confident. Two solid answers. What do we have? 
JP. Yeah, uh, sorry, Insomniacs, you split the 50-50 the wrong way. It is <laughs> Wormwood. Again. Yeah, we're, du- we're due then. We're going to be 100% in the second round. I, I can feel it. <laughs> Just getting it out of your system early. Yeah. All right, number four. That is to four in popular literature. This is a comic strip before and after. Please complete the before and after. A traditional British pudding made with beef suet, currants, and a custard sauce on top puts on a yellow trench coat to keep the custard from making itself too soggy as it tracks down criminals. I think we feel fairly confident here just because I've had this dish uh, not too long ago uh, and great clue and we're gonna lock in. I mean, is it Dick Tracy? Oh, maybe Dick Tracy. Oh, oh spotted, spotted Dick, Dick Tracy. Tracy. Hey, there we go. same time <laughs> in stereo. Might want to visit the doctor for that. What, uh, what do you guys have? Uh, we said the same. We said spotted Dick Tracy. And if, as long as it's a person, you probably don't need to check into the doctor. This is spotted Dick Tracy. Great clue there. There's beef product in that. Yeah. It, I oh, mean, yeah. it's beef fat. Mm. So like, it's fine. Oh, it's mm-hmm. just, a, I'm still suet. Yeah. Yeah. They, they use a lot of suet in uh, English cooking, traditional English cooking. Especially in like pastries and mm-hmm. well, everything. That's actually. why they're, that's why their uh, food is world renowned. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we have uh, for yeah. question five? That That's a fair read. Uh, continuing to talk about British stuff, let's go to history and talk about royals. With the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, England yet again has a king, Charles III, yet to be officially crowned. Within one, how many different kings of England were there between QE2 and Victoria? Yeah, Jeff and I um, went over our notes and uh, waxed poetic about Colin Firth, as Ken mentioned. Um, we're locked in. All right. So they said Colin Firth, so there's at least one. Uh, and yeah. then Jeff said there's another one at some point, so there's at least two. Um, my knowledge of the English monarchy ends with when we put all that tea in the harbor and we decided we didn't have to learn about that anymore. So, so which one was that during? <laughs> I have no idea. At all, what? <laughs> how much do you know about English monarchy? Not much. Um, my English professors from undergrad would be disappointed because I read mm. so many of the Shakespeare plays. But I think all of that was pre-Victorian, anyways. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's that many. What about uh, um, like five? Let me get between. Four and six that, seems like a good. That answer. seems like a, a good solid round number. Yeah, um, I mean, I know. Yeah, building off of them, I mean, I was, I was thinking, you know, uh, Guy Pierce never actually took the throne. Right? He, he stepped <laughs> back, and Colin Firth took it. So yeah, yeah um, I think five sounds like a good round number. Yeah, um, I was thinking for some reason of Elizabeth one to Victoria, which uh, I'm not going to fact check it. So if someone wants to email, I think it's ten. I don't know why. I know that a lot of King Georges in there, but uh, Jeff. Uh, what did you say? Um, yeah, I had a feeling that there were like three. I know Queen Elizabeth's father, I think he was Edward the Seventh. His brother had abdicated. I think there was an Edward the Sixth after Victoria. We just guessed three. Edward the Furlong? <laughs> Edward. I kind of like that one. Lord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so your kings, between uh, starting from Victoria, passed to Edward the Seventh, then to George the Fifth 
then to Edward VIII, and oh, to yes. George the Sixth. So there mm, are four. Four. I did give you a buffer of one on either side, so both Yay. of you are getting points. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, after five questions in the first round, it looks like Bill Clinton plays the sax with a perfect score of 50 and uh, trailing just slightly with 30 points, the Insomnomaniacs. I think the only reason I was even in the ballpark on that one is because I watched The Crown. Other than that, I had no real reason to care And you had a English monarchy. <laughs> you had a shout out on, uh, on that one, JP? Yeah, especially because like I made a bunch of changes based on feedback. So shout out to everybody in the crop on Discord because they helped make this game that we're playing today as good as it was. So shout out to everybody who did both text and live play tests of this game. Oh, thank you to everyone over there. And uh, just for also being just uh, great folks over at the Discord and always doing stuff. So we appreciate it. That's going to take us into question six in the category of gaming, which is going to be by the bits. 17 corporations, 208 plans, 200 resource cubes in five transparent colors, and a game board with a thermometer that runs from negative 30 to 8 degrees centigrade are among the game pieces in what popular board game first published in 2016? Jeff, do you have any idea on this one? We're going to take a guess based on only one of the clues given, um, which fits, but... Yeah, we're locked in. Sorry, Neil. All right. Uh, this doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Um, and you are shaking your head in a manner that suggests you also have no idea. Yeah, we have two board games in my house. Uh, they are obscure board games. Well, not that obscure. I mean, Wingspan is pretty popular at this point. But uh, The Art of Chill, uh, Bob Ross board game. Um, <laughs> and this is neither of those. No. Um yeah, the art I, of chill though it has a thermometer that goes to minus thirty, so it might be that. But um, I, yeah, I was going to suggest just coming up with a name, uh, a temperature-related name, because I have nothing here like the big freeze or something like that, just because it it sounds silly and uh, I had nothing else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, wasn't isn't there a board game called like Pandemic? And oh, there is. I, I mean, I don't know the premise. I've never played it. Well, maybe it's about uh, having plans to survive a deep freeze and there's 17 corporations who take all your transparent cubes and leave you with nothing. Um, so, yeah, we can we can say pandemic. So I went to Jeff and I said, is this the board game adaptation of the Lawrence Kasdan film The Big Chill? And he said, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only clue I had any insight on, um, I could think of two games with resource cubes. One was Agricola, and the other one, uh, which has transparent ones, is Pandemic. Nothing else fit, but that's what we guessed. Which one? Pandemic. All right. Looks like no one's getting points here. Um, did get there that it does have something to do with the temperature changing. Uh, specifically, you are terraforming a planet in this game. This is terraforming Mars. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a fun little crunchy Euro. I really enjoy it, and I'm not good at it whatsoever, but fantastic game. I think uh, people should be more open to not being good at things and enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why well, we like have a podcast. Like me with this show. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult for me to not be good at something and still enjoy it because I'm so good at everything, Jeff. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. 
I thought it's just because, like me, you're hyper competitive. So if uh, you know you didn't win, obviously it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll jump into question seven, which is in music, and the category is obscure instruments. What quote percussion instrument end quote features prominently in the finale of Tchaikovsky's eighteen twelve overture, sometimes literally bringing the house down? Hurdy gurdy. I love the sound of the hurdy-gurdy. I go to sleep to that. But we're locked in. Literally bringing the house down. Well, I, mean, I, I think I think the end has some some cannons crashing, so I think that it might be cannons. That's that's where my mind went too. All right. So we're we're going with the, the percussion instrument. I think they had one in Pearl Jam. I'm not 100% sure. We're going to say cannons. When Matt said cannons crashing, I imagine like the little desk toys with the balls that transfer the force and they're just smashing <laughs> cannons into each other. What'd you guys say? Uh, we uh, we said cannon as well. Yeah, I have heard this performed authentically once in my life and it felt like something was like punching you in the chest every single time one of these cannon blanks fired. Uh, it is a cannon. Was it no. outside? It would praise God it was outside. I can't imagine <laughs> someone inside a concert hall firing a cannon. At the local I feel YMCA. like the uh, the the air pressure would like blow your eardrums out. <laughs> Oof. The sadistic uh, eighteen twelve overture performed indoors. Oof. No hard pass. All right. Question eight is in the category of sports, specifically fantasy sports. In a fantasy league that I play in, my entire roster consists of Robbie Gould of the 49ers, Ryan Sukup of the Buccaneers, and Evan McPherson of the Bengals. What specific kind of fantasy league am I playing in? So, are you a big sports person? Um, I used to be a bigger sports person and actually used to be a big fantasy football guy. Mm -hmm. Um I can very much recognize football, but I can't place a three-person roster fantasy league, what that would be. So it's it's got to be, they're all kickers. So this has to be a kickers-only league, I would imagine. And if there's three on a team and you played a 10-person team, then everyone drafts a kicker. So I'm guessing that this is this is an all-kicker league, which sounds like, Either the most or the least amount of fun you can possibly have in fantasy sports. If only, if only you got a punter as well. But uh, we're gonna, we're. I guess we'll lock in with all kicker, all kickers. Kickers only. I see kickers you guys only. wrote. Yeah, I, I don't know what it would be called, but those are three. Those are three kickers. Yeah, you've so. got a kickers only jacket. Uh, what's the correct answer? <laughs> Um, the, the actual name of the league that I'm in is called Kickers Are Sweet. This is a kickers only league. Oh my God. That's amazing. I mean, your substitutions would be a lot easier, right? I'd I would like to be at a high stakes kickers only league. $10,000 buy. <laughs> I, I got us. That would be, that would be really, uh, nerve wracking, you know, cause the kicks are one of those like kind of crux moments. In the, they do in the tend game, to be so. the highest scorers on their team though. So yeah. they tend to be very consistently in there somewhere so definitely more exciting than the all centers <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on to question nine question nine in the category of science and innovation the specific category title is nope edison wasn't first though edison and swan would perfect the commercially viable carbon light bulb 
What material was used by Brit scientist Humphrey Davis in 1802 in the first proof-of-concept incandescent bulb? Numbered 78 on the periodic table of elements. Okay, so they're locked in. Uh, we discussed what we know about the periodic table. Uh, wasn't too helpful. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is a metal, perhaps a precious metal. I think that this might be platinum, so we're locking in with platinum. And, um, yeah, originally I was thinking tungsten, but I think that's what they use now. Um, a lot easier to come by than platinum, which I believe is the correct answer. Yeah, they sent a bunch of volts of electricity through a giant thin-stripped bar platinum for this uh, proof-of-concept test. Go figure. And, uh, Jeff, I'm sorry about your catalytic converter. I'm just making a bunch of light bulbs. <laughs> All right, that's going to take us to the end of round one for question 10, which uh, there's always a feature category in normal Geek Bracket episodes. So this is kind of my own feature category called Now Comes the Third. In 1974, De Niro completed it for him and Brando. In 2019, Phoenix did it for himself and Ledger. Name one of the two people who joined this list with independent wins in 1962 and 2021. 1974, De Niro plays young Brando. I believe it's it's winning an Oscar for playing the same character. All right, so we talked over a few different movies, um, and we have absolutely no idea... (laughs) Uh, I mean, we could we could go with your guess about King Richard, right? With Will yeah. Smith, and maybe there was some version of King Richard back in '62. Well, that was King Richard Williams. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if they if they were if they were that impression <laughs> to make a fu- a future planned movie. But yeah, that one well, was called Baby Richard, <laughs> little, little Richard, I believe. Um, we can go with <laughs> we can just go ahead and go with uh, Will Smith because you know what he he needs a win at the Oscars, right? this one was was fun to read because it's one of my favorite trivia facts uh and the fact that the uh two people involved in the answer uh were the the latest to do it but i believe this is uh the character anita from west side story and that would be uh rita moreno and uh ariana debose i was wondering if you'd have uh both of them this is the remake uh the spielberg remake of west side story that got the win for ariana debose in 2021 with rita moreno being the originator of the role in 62 both fantastic performances That'll do it for the first round. Looks like our scores have Bill Clinton plays the sex still in the lead with 90 points, slightly widening that gap between Insomniacs with 60. Before we get to the swing round, uh, just two quick messages. Uh, first message, uh, come join us on Patreon. Uh, we have two patrons on the show right now in Ellie and JP who help support the show. If you go there, you can get great things like uh, some of our main feed episodes that are newly released ad-free. Uh, you also get a bunch of bonus audio content, a regular Patreon bonus every month, and also a crop drop, which is our Ask Me Anything style uh, episode. And, and some physical treasures. And some physical treasures, if you'd like as well. Posters, boxes, stickers, things like that. So uh, yeah, join JP and Ellie over at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. We just passed uh, 500 patrons, which is wonderful. So let's uh, move that goalpost and try to get to 600. And uh, we just appreciate everyone's support helping us uh, upgrade our equipment and continue to uh, you know grow the show. Uh, and on that note, helping... The, se- the second thing is, I love you. 
I love you too. And uh, in speaking of growing the show, um, we actually have uh, a survey that's going out, and many of you might have heard this already in the, the past few weeks, but uh, our network, Airwave, is uh, doing a special listener survey to help us get to know you, your interests, and what you think of our show. Yeah, please support us by checking out the questionnaire at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave. It's a really quick one, and your feedback will help us uh, find sponsors that interest you and improve the show. And there's a place to tell us anything you want at the end. As our way of saying thank you, you'll be entered to win a $500 Amazon gift card. Again, that's surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave, or click the link in our episode notes after you listen to today's show. And on to the swing round, JP. What do you got for us? All right, let's swing on into the swing round and everybody put on your best rockapella voice and sing it with me. Where in the world are Ken, Jeff, Matt, and Neil now? I appreciate any show that recognizes that people have real lives and need to take a break from all the recording sessions. And y'all have taken some really cool trips over the years to do some interesting stuff, or at least they sound cool from the stories that your co-hosts tell. So five of these questions are general knowledge questions based on the reasons given as to why some of you were gone from episodes. The other five are a 50-50 asking when you traveled further away from the recording studio. Since I'm not exactly sure where in Chicagoland y'all record, I measured all these distances from a well-known downtown landmark using Google Maps. It's called Cloudgate, if your name is Anish Kapoor, or The Bean, if you're ever even slightly less pretentious than him. Let's kick it with question one. The first recorded absence was episode 17, Triple Jeopardy, where Matt was gone performing an appendectomy on what panda animal? Red or trash variety? Not indicated. Question two. When was Matt further away? Domestic edition. When Matt tried to become member 361 of a famous choir, or when he tried to move into Oscar's trash can at the Sesame <laughs> Workshop headquarters. <laughs> Question three. In episode 122, Matt decided to do some spelunking while drinking tea dressed as, among other characters, Dalsim. What island nation was he spelunking in, given its nearness to that Street Fighter character's homeland? Question four. When was Jeff further? when he was touring the site of the oldest nuclear power plant in the U.S. to avoid another Chernobyl, or when he was training at Lush's corporate headquarters to work a booth at a manscaping convention. Question 5. In episode 112, Matt was unable to come in due to drinking too much, and based on the description in the episode, most likely smoker's coughs, a shot made of Jaeger, and what other white ingredient? Question six. Neil has only two documented absences, for going jaguar watching at the zoo and taking a hot air balloon ride with Matt to get that true-to-life Game of Thrones feeling. So, which is further? The home of the first manned hot air balloon flight or the home of the largest forest to house wild jaguars? Question seven. Jeff missed a handful of recent episodes helping his puppy acclimate to his new home. According to the AKC, what is the new most popular breed of dog in the U.S., taking over the Golden Retriever's three-decade reign in the top spot? Question 8. 
Y'all are really into Kin using his bare hands. And to be honest, who isn't? When was Kin further away? When he was assisting at the original Maytag factory fixing washers and dryers with his bare hands? Or at the headquarters of Barney Almond Butter, squeezing almonds into almond butter with his bare hands? Question 9. One of the more recent absences saw Matt getting trapped in Jumanji. Though the Caldecott winning book came first, which was made next? The board game or the movie? And question 10. When was Matt further away? International edition. When he was watching footy at the home of the Collingwood Magpies, or when he was trying to break a consecutive pogo-sticking record along the Great Wall of China. These sound really great uh, when read back to back. Um, we appreciate uh, your uh, your uh, spelunking yourself into our old episodes to find these JP. Yeah, your steadfast attention to our terrible lore. Yeah, <laughs> but we will now uh, take a quick break and see what these guys can come up with. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back with all of our answers. Let's uh, get the clues one more time, and we'll give the answers, see how everybody did. All right, question number one. The first recorded absence was episode 17, Triple Jeopardy, where Matt was gone performing an appendectomy on what panda animal, red or trash variety, not indicated? We guessed raccoon. Yes, I remember this distinctly. It was very complicated, and it was a raccoon. Yeah, red pandas are raccoons. Who would have thought it? Uh, raccoon is correct there. Uh, question two, Matt's Travel Domestic Edition, when Matt tried to become member 361 of a famous choir, or when he tried to move into Oscar's trash can at the Sesame Workshop headquarters. Yeah, we believe this was a reference to the Mormon tabernacker. Tab <laughs> tabernacker. <laughs> Tabern the tacklebacks. The tabernacker. Um, anyway, we said it was, uh, yeah, Salt Lake City or, or Utah. We said that was the farther... Yeah, we also thought it would might have been the Mormon Tabernacle, but uh, we thought that the Sesame Street workshop might have been in L.A., so we went with the workshop. 
And Sesame Workshop, I'm sorry, is in New York City. That's only 760 miles away from Chicago. You are correct. Mormon Tabernacle Choir is based out of Salt Lake City, and that is 1.2 thousand miles away. So Tabernacle Choir is the correct answer. Question three. Matt decided to do some spelunking while drinking tea dressed as, among other characters, Dulcim. What island nation was he spelunking in, given its nearness to the Street Fighter character's homeland? JP, do you remember who said this one? Was it me? I don't. Because these guys don't know who Dalsim is. <laughs> I, I don't remember who did this specific read. I made notes on that in one of my spreadsheets, but I don't remember who made this read. But there were a bunch of Street Fighter costumes that came out in this read, I recall correctly. And I had to, like, take everyone out except Dalsim because the answer doesn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> what do you guys have? We guessed the Philippines. We don't remember this at all, and I never really played Street Fighter, so. Um, yeah, you would think I would remember better uh, having done it, but I don't, so we said Sri Lanka. And Dalsim is from India, and so that means that Sri, Sri Lanka, Lanka is the correct answer, well points to the Insomnomaniacs. It makes sense when you hear it, because drinking tea in Sri Lanka just sounds right. Let's kind of well, said. spelunking in Sri Lanka has exactly. a nice alliterative quality. So. Probably should have thought about that for all these questions. It would have helped. Yeah, we're not smart. We just try to be clever. I, question four. When was Jeff further away touring the oldest nuclear power plant in the U.S. to avoid another Chernobyl or when he was training at Lush's corporate headquarters to work a booth at a manscaping convention? We just went Lush on this one. Yeah, we, I remember it fondly. Yeah. We, uh, we thought that uh, the nuclear power plant would be the further away. All right. The oldest nuclear power plant site is Nine Mile Point in New York. Uh, but Lush is based out of Pool UK. So that is definitely going to be the further one. Points to Bill Clinton plays the sax. Imaginary points to Ken for knowing it was in the UK. Uh, once we locked in, he was like, I think it's in the UK. I'm it a is. fan of the Lush. Uh, yeah, they they lovely people and their soaps are fantastic. <laughs> Question five. Matt was unable to come in due to drinking too many smoker's coughs, a shot made of Jaeger, and what other ingredient? Yeah, this one was tough. We had no idea. We just thought, what makes you cough? Phlegm. And we thought maybe it's milk. So that's what we said. <laughs> we thought that there might have been milk. It's too easy of an answer. There's a lot of milk around. So we thought maybe they're squeezing mayonnaise in there. We said mayonnaise. Oh. <laughs> we thought our answer sounded gross. Well, uh, it makes sense when you realize this episode came out on May 5th, which is Cinco de Mayo. Mayonnaise is the correct answer. Gross. <laughs> Ew. Is it supposed to be, like, disgusting? Like a disgusting shot challenge? Oh, it's 100% like a frat bro shot that okay. you, like, take as a challenge. Like, no Cement one actually mixer. goes and orders the shot. Right. Question number six, Neil's uh, two documented absences, which is further the first manned hot air balloon flight or the home of the largest forest to house wild jaguars. Yeah, Jeff was saying he thought maybe the manned balloon was uh, somewhere in Europe and we think the jaguar was South America, hopefully. So we said uh, hot air balloon. Yeah, we had the exact same conversation and we said hot air balloon. Yeah, this is the closest of all the uh, distance-based questions. The outer edge of the rainforest barely hits 4,000 miles away, but the hot air balloon is in Europe. It's in France specifically, and the specific town in France is 4.3 thousand miles away. So hot air balloon is correct. Points to both teams. Hot air balloons do sound like some French crap, to be honest. 
Because you know they have like uh, wine and cheese in there and crackers and stuff. Question seven. According to the AKC, what is the new most popular breed of dog in the U.S.? An ode to Jeff uh, taking some time off to be with his new puppy. We have no idea. Uh, just guessed one that Neil and I think we see everywhere all the time, all at once. Uh, we said golden doodles. Mm, we think that this is also some French crap, and we said French bulldog. It is indeed some French crap. Points to the Insomnomaniacs. It is specifically the French bulldog. Apologies uh, to Neil. Um, I hate them so much. I just repressed that that was true. <laughs> <laughs> Those were our two guesses, though. We were close, I think. That was good. All right, let's get into question eight and Ken using his bare hands at either the original Maytag factory or the headquarters of Barney Almond Butter. Feel these calluses, Jeff. Feel them. <laughs> oh, I remember Feel this them. reference now because I had Barney Almond Butter at the time in my cabinet. That's why. That's where it came from. Anyway, we said that the almond butter was, was farter. Far, oh my God, I can't speak. <laughs> hello, mutter. Hello, fodder. Uh, we said the yeah, um, almond butter. Relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely relaxing now. We, yeah, we said the almond butter. Yeah, we we had no idea where the almond butter was. Uh, could be, you know, on the other side of Ravenswood. Could be in Canada. So we went with the uh, Maytag factory. Maytag factory, uh, depending on how you interpret the wording on this question, is either in Iowa or Michigan. Uh, since it's now, uh, Maytag is now under the Whirlpool umbrella, uh, but Barney's is in Fresno. So regardless of which of those interpretations you took, Barney's almond butter is the correct answer here for Bill Clinton plays the sax. Nice. Neil was like, Maytag sounds Midwest and almond butter sounds California. So <laughs> I don't know where, dead <laughs> I don't know where all these things are, but Neil is way past Camp Granada at this point. <laughs> Question nine, Matt got trapped in Jumanji, but which came second, the board game or the movie? This one we remember as kids uh, being a marketing ploy, so we said the movie was first and then the board game came. Uh, I had thought that the original movie had Mattel as potentially a producer or some kind of credit on the movie, so we thought the board game came first and then the movie and then a board game based on the movie, based on the board game, based on the book. I'm literally trying to follow the Inception line there that just came from Matt. Uh, unfortunately, Matt, your memory is a little bit off. Uh, the board game was a licensed tie-in with the film it was not produced before, so film is the correct answer there for uh, the saxophones. And question 10, Matt's Traveled International Edition. Watching footy at the home of the Collingwood Magpies or trying to break a consecutive pogo-sticking record along the Great Wall of China? Yeah, this one uh, we thought was in Melbourne uh, with the Magpies, so we, that's what we went with. Agreed. We thought the Collingwood Magpies were further away. And it's all about that tilt from China to Australia for this one. Uh, of the different sections of the Great Wall, the furthest away I could get was 6.5k, uh, and for Melbourne, it was 9.6. So Melbourne for the Not Collingwood Magpies close. is correct. Appreciate JP's correct pronunciation. Melbourne. I can't believe Neil blew that one. But well, I'm, not, I'm having trouble just speaking in general. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I was thinking Melbourne, but Melbourne. I, I didn't. It didn't come out correctly. After the swing round, looks like the rich get just slightly richer with 125 for Bill Clinton plays the sax. Insomniacs uh, just losing a f five point ground there, 90 points. 
Alright, that's going to take us into round two, which is a stream of consciousness round. All of the questions uh, lead into the next question, or answers lead into the next question. Basically, everything is one giant interconnected stream of consciousness. We're going to kick off question number one in Thus Begins the Chain. The latest EGOT winner is Viola Davis, who achieved the title in 2023 with a Grammy win for the audiobook of her biography, Without Me. The first woman of color to win an EGOT is the aforementioned Rita Moreno. What black woman came after Moreno, completing her award in 2002 and becoming the first black EGOT winner? Looks like the fellows in the studio are locked in, mm. so Matt and Ellie, up to you guys. Um, I have a strong feeling, mm -hmm. and that strong feeling is Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I, I do recall around that time uh, this coming up. I think she won the Tony last. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was uh, the Tony, and uh, we could definitely lock in Whoopi Goldberg. Neil had a bit of a premonition earlier when he was saying farters. Um, we said Whoopi Goldberg. And I probably should have put in what that last award f was for. And I think the reason I didn't clue it was because I think it's the daytime Emmy for The View that was her last award. Mm. Could be wrong there, but I will fact check that later. However, Whoopi Goldberg is the correct answer here. All right. Question two is in the category of apologies to the guys. Speaking of Whoopi. What animated series did she and Next Gen alum LeVar Burton star in from 1990 to 1992? Burton would continue with the series until its in in 96, with all episodes debuting on Ted Turner's basic cable channel TBS before hitting other syndicated sources. That looks angry. I'm taking that this was question down to zero. Yeah, we're going to we're going to combine our powers over here and lock in. <laughs> Uh, are you are you picking up what where all these references are? This is triviality favorite uh, <laughs> Captain Planet. Um, I believe uh, Levar Burton was Captain Planet. And I think originally they wanted Tom Cruise. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Just listen to any of our episodes; you'll hear about it. Uh, we said Captain Planet. Yep, we said Captain Planet as well. Yeah, LeVar Burton was uh, Kwame, actually. Mm. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg was Guinan, uh, 90 to 92. And when I wrote this question, this was before the, you guys got this question about something about Captain Planet for, I swear it felt like two months straight. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, yeah. And it was, no one knew either. It wasn't you know anyone's fault. It just kept coming. Right, question three is going to be in the category of 90s wrestling. Speaking of Ted Turner stuff... Who, in 2001, was the final wrestler to hold the title of WCW World Heavyweight Champion and carry the title into the WWF merger? He was the first and only black athlete to hold the title, as well as a two-time WWE Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, can you dig this question, Ellie? Do you understand? I know how much you guys love wrestling, and this is a blind spot on my radar, uh, so... This is the five-time, five-time, five-time WCW champion, Booker T. We agree. We think this is Booker T, who's definitely gotten a lot better on the mic uh, and has refrained from saying certain words on camera. Indeed, this is Booker T. Good job, both teams. 
All right, let's go over to question four in the category of Come Fly With Me. Speaking of Booker T, Booker T. Washington helped found what historic black college or university in Alabama in 1881. This institution went on to host Professor Washington Carver's research, starting in 1896. Ooh. Do you have any strong opinions on this one? I have a strong opinion. Um, yes. Given the question theme, come fly with me, I would mm -hmm. think that would point us in the direction of the Tuskegee Airmen from mm -hmm. Tuskegee. So that would be the... I would... Yeah, I just went uh, through the, there's a civil rights exhibit at uh, this museum we went to in Philadelphia a few weeks ago, and I do remember this fact, and I believe you're 100% correct in Tuskegee. We had a very similar conversation, and we're hoping it is also Tuskegee. Come Fly With Me was a hint trying to get you there uh, to the Tuskegee Airmen. Tuskegee Institute or Tuskegee University is correct. Well done, both teams. Well done, yeah. Great hint. All right, we'll swing to question five in the category of TV terms. Speaking of George Washington Carver, Peanuts is a comic strip by Charles M. Schultz featuring many families of characters throughout its strips, such as Charlie Brown and Sally Brown, Snoopy and his brother Spike, and the Van Pelts, Linus, Lucy, and what other youngest sibling who would be most apropos in name to strips of the series seen in print after the year 2000? All right. Well, you had you had a strong feeling on the last one. How, how about this one? Uh, let's just say I have a weak feeling on oh, this one. No, <laughs> um, I I can't quite find it. You know, something in print after the year 2000 TV terms. Don't oh, think well, they would be so cruel as to name their kid Millennial. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why two? Millennial Ben Pelt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rerun? Would it be rerun? Like the the Fat Albert character? <laughs> Is that rerun? <laughs> I mean, TV rerun? terms. Yeah, I guess rerun. Sure. <laughs> All right, we said rerun. So initially, I thought Matt was going to lock in with ESPN commentator Scott Van Pelt, but um, just for his sports love. But yeah, we we got the clue at the end here. It's a really well-written question, as all these have been. Um, and we thought if they were reprinted, that must be a rerun. And that's what we said. Yeah, uh, Insomnomaniacs, you got there right at the end. Uh, the Van Pelt family is Linus, Lucy, and Rerun. Well-reasoned, both teams. That does it for the first half of the second round. Brings the scores to 140 for the Insomnomaniacs, and Bill Clinton plays the sex at 175. Perfect uh, first half for both teams. All right, let's swing to question six for actual TV stuff. Speaking of reruns, according to Nielsen, what police procedural was the most streamed series of 2022 only to be available in reruns? NCIS moved back to the top spot of the list in this year, but this series was the one at the top in 2021, its final season. All right, looks like the gentlemen in the studio are locked in. What do you have? Oh, boy. Um, my first thought was, I don't know when these shows end because you, you're, all of a sudden you'll be watching a football game and you'll find out Blue Bloods is still on TV and you don't know <laughs> how that happened. Um, so some of these shows, they last a very long time. 
Uh, my first thought was actually Criminal Minds. What do you think about Criminal Minds? Sure. Sounds great. I know that it's it's something that I would just leave on running all the time and fall asleep to and have very strange dreams afterwards. But I I, I think I think it's very popular uh, and people people love that show. So it's not strange. Shamar Moore is a man whose hands I wouldn't mind being wrapped up in. All right, we need Shamar less oh. of that actually. He'll squeeze um, you like an almond. <laughs> right, what do you have in the studio here? Uh, yeah, like uh, NKOTB, Blue Blood's Never Going Away. We had the same feeling. Uh, we, we thought it was a CBS show because NCIS, if that's the top one, it's got to be another CBS property. We said Criminal Minds. And Criminal Minds is correct. Uh, after I wrote this question, uh, also found out they have revived this series again for <laughs> Paramount Plus only distribution. Oh. <laughs> Why? The service that everyone has. Basically. All right, let's take that uh, criminal stuff into question number seven, popular since the 1700s. Speaking of criminals, what alliterative two-word phrase was given to the illegal action taken in the early 1900s as a result of the 18th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution? The 18th so, Amendment is prohibition. Prohibition. I The first thing that came to my mind, yeah, was uh, Tito Taylor, but I, I thought that was one word. Um yeah. And I think that's about like not drinking, so I don't know how that would be the illegal. Maybe that it's evolved to mean not drinking, but it used to be um, sneaking, because otherwise it's like moonshine. Sneaky making. drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some sneaky bringing, drinking. Uh, yeah. Alcohol, something. Uh, Hooch hawkering. Um, Hooch hawkers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, uh, booze bootleggers. Uh, we, um, but we don't. The we beer don't have baron. It. The beer baron. Yeah. Um, but you said uh, teetotaler. Um, Teetotaling. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking that potentially at the time maybe it meant pretending you're drinking not alcohol but are, and it's turned into being someone who doesn't drink. Um, so let's lock in with that. It's fine. It's a phrase. It's funny you should say that because teetotaler was the only thing I wrote down after this because I was like, well, that's like the opposite, right, Neil, of of what they did during Prohibition. But what do we go with? Uh, we just said uh, you were a wet willy. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Uh, double stumper on this one. Um, this is a little alliterative and it is more common than I think where y'all were going. This is rum running. Oh, that yeah. was my guess. <laughs> rum runner. Rum yeah. runner. All right, well, we will uh, pick up that bottle of Captain Morgan and jump into question eight, which is in mixology. Speaking of rum, what cocktail is traditionally made of rum as the primary spirit, mixed with lime and or lemon juice, passion fruit puree, and is commonly associated with a Louisiana city? Um, the passion fruit puree, the lime, the rum... They're base ingredients of a hurricane, which I know is based out of New Orleans. I, I, I can't think of a city in Louisiana outside of Baton Rouge and New Orleans that would have a drink named after it. Yeah, I can't either. Um, and the only drink I can think associated with closely with a city in Louisiana would be a Sazerac. And that's not, oh, that's not the answer that's here. That's not it? 
No, no, this isn't it. Um, that ain't it. That's a shame. That ain't it. <laughs> uh, I guess let's just go with a hurricane. Uh, maybe there's a hurricane, Louisiana. It's not there's a hurricanes in Louisiana. So we'll lock in. Uh, we had the exact same conversation um, about the Sazerac, but we knew that that was um, a little bit more of a, I don't even know what you'd call it, a fancy drink. So we said um, it was the drink that uh, a movie was made with Denzel Washington. We said the hurricane. And it's just associated with New Orleans. It's not named after the city itself. Hurricane is the oh. correct answer. Ooh. Just right. overthought it then. We sure did. Way, way overthought. But hey, y'all got there. That's what's important. Let's take that hurricane into question number nine and rock you like a hurricane. Speaking of hurricanes, Hurricane Irene destroyed much of the Northeast coastline in its wake in 2011, including a residence in Red Bank, New Jersey, that held the masters for all of Skid Row's albums. What Canadian frontman of the band was able to recover his solo and bandmates' masters from the wreckage of this storm? Canadian frontman of the band. So I'm, I mean, so I'm, I, I've seen this man on a lot of, I love the eighties and he does a lot of work with, um, on those like documentaries about hair metal. He's always in these. And I'm pretty sure that it is the composer Sebastian Bach. Yeah. I think the, well, I guess he did some composing. Um, but that one, I think that you mentioned is German, but we agree. Yeah. We said, uh, Gilmore girl star Sebastian Bach. <laughs> <Gilmore Girl> <laughs> I mean, it, that is a that is a take. And also, is I love the '80s still on television at this no point? No way. I hope not. Good. I mean, streaming H1. exclusively on Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true because VH1 is under the Paramount Plus umbrella. Uh, let's get out of this question as fast as possible. Sebastian Bach is correct. Good job, both teams. And that is going to take us to question ten. Full circle. Speaking of Bach. Johann Sebastian Bach published a composition in 1741 consisting of a simple aria and 30 additional pieces based on said aria, all played on harpsichord. What is the commonly given name for D for BWV 988? So Jeff and I have been discussing uh, what this could be, and uh, the great thing about JP's game is there's been so many clues and I've been trying to listen to the categories and he said full circle, um, which makes me think maybe this is in reference to question one. Um, and I don't think it has the word whoopee in it at all, but is it possible that the name has Goldberg in it? Um, and I can't think of a way to say Goldberg in a Bachian way. Like there's musical terms like movements or something. So maybe like the Goldberg movements. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking of, um, of uh the circle there's like a circle movement right but i thought i thought that was um whoever did the the flight of the valkyries oh right Wagner. Yeah. Wagner. Wagner. ring cycle a ring cycle yeah it's the circle i was thinking of the ring cycle but um yeah i don't know i think that we can go with that all right it's a complete guess but we're just going to say the goldberg movements yeah um my dad listened to a lot of classical um the car driving me around when and I hated it. Um, but uh, along the lines of uh, you're all thinking in the full circle clue, um, getting back to Whoopi Goldberg, I believe this is the Goldberg Variations. 
And when you are taking a single line of music and then changing it up 30 different ways, it is a theme and variation known as the Goldberg Variations. Points for the Insomniacs. Wow. Well done. Great job. I had nothing. That will conclude regulation. Looks like we have 205 for Bill Clinton plays the sax. And right behind with 180 is the Insomniacs. So it's going to be a toss up in the final round, depending on the wagers. All right, for the final round, I just have five questions for you. Who, what, where, when, and why? Now, because those questions don't actually give you any into what the questions are, here are the categories. Who is a television question? What is a music question? Where is a fashion question? When is a sports question? And why is a popular literature question? The wagers are now in. Bill Clinton team is pushing in. Uh, Insomniacs doing various bets, which we will say during the questions. But let's have them. All right. Question one in the category of who. Who is a common Chinese surname? Kelly Who is a long-running supporting actress in many series, including a short-lived Sammo Hung and Arsenio Hall series from the late 90s entitled What, referring to their use of Hapkido to enforce the codes of their jurisdiction. Question two, in the category of What? Lil Jong's 2013 banger, Turn Down For What, was mixed by what sinister French DJ? This DJ's other notable hits include Taki Taki with Selena Gomez and Cardi B, and The Middle with Bipolar Sunshine. Question 3. In Where? Before being near destroyed by Kim Kardashian at the, a recent Met Gala, Marilyn Monroe's famous Happy Birthday Mr. President dress was considered one of the world's most expensive garments, going for $1.26 million in auction, in 1999. Who was the designer of this immaculate dress, who would also go on to create iconic looks for Carol Burnett, a look she saw in the window and just had to have, and Cher, yes, that Oscars red carpet dress. Question 4. With the founding of the Super Bowl in 1969, the last of the four major North American sports leagues had its major seasoned-in championship established. Of these four leagues, which team holds the team with the most championship wins since 1970? And question five in the category of why. Why the Last Man, an answer from my last episode, has now been adapted as a series on FX. It was great, until they canceled it after one season. Brian K. Vaughn, the author of the original Why comic series, also saw another of his books befall a similar fate when what Amazon Prime adaptation featuring a diverse, young, female-led cast was cancelled in 2022 after its debut season. But not to worry because they can both be seen soon on Paramount+. Plus. And those are the questions. We'll be right back for our answers. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? 
Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. We have all of our answers in, and uh, let's get a recap of the questions, and they can give their answers. For this first question, both teams wagered 30. All right. Category, or question one was who in the category of television asking for the short-lived Sammo Hung and Arsenio Hall series from the late 90s that also starred supporting actress Kelly Hu? Uh, let's go to the uh, Insomnomaniacs first. Uh, yeah, we wagered 30 on this show that paired well with Nash Bridges, the Wish.com Rush Hour. Pretty sure it's called Martial Law. Yep, uh, the only Sammo Hung show I could think of was Martial Law, and uh, that's what we went with as well. And if you're using Hapkido to enforce the codes of your jurisdiction, you might be enforcing Martial Law. That is correct. And Matt also pulled the reference, this started as a Nash Bridges question. Um, but then I realized <laughs> Kelly, who was only on one entire season mm. of the series. So I switched to something she was on for the entire run of. All right. Question two. Again, both teams go on 30. Question two is asking for the DJ behind Lil Jon's banger, Turn Down for What? Also doing Taki Taki and The Middle. Uh, we'll jump to Bill Clinton plays the sax first. We had the discussion uh, on this question based on the Daniels, who won the Oscar for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. They directed this music video, and when they were talking about it during the press tour, uh, we remember it saying DJ Snake and Lil John. So that's our guess. Yeah. Uh, my first year of law school, the night before one of my first finals, um, I was living next to a frat house, and it uh, happened to be May 4th. And so at 2 a.m. on Cinco de Mayo, uh, my neighbors blasted turned down for what and so i have a little bit of trauma induced memory on this one we went with uh, dj snake yeah and i wrote this question well before the daniels started doing all the touring for everything everywhere all at once and yeah dj snake is much more front of mind for people right now because of that all right question three insomnomaniacs wagering 10 34 Brooklyn. All right, and this where question was a fashion question about the designer of the Happy Birthday Mr. President dress. Uh, also doing iconic looks for Carol Burnett and Cher, Insomnomaniacs. What you got? Uh, not a lot. Um, this is a person that has spanned a very long time, apparently. So we just picked someone we knew was making clothes for a long time. It's at Coco Chanel. Shout out to my mom, uh, who's the biggest Marilyn Monroe fan that I know and had me grow up on Marilyn Monroe. Uh, this would be the share dress with the poofy black feathers and uh, weird sequence at the Oscars uh, or the yeah the famous Marilyn Monroe dress by Bob Mackie is what we put in. Yeah, and Bob Mackie did a lot of costume design work for the Carol Burnett show as well. So Bob Mackie is the correct answer there. Uh, points for Bill Clinton plays the sax. Question four, uh, 30 points for each team. 
And this was a question about the league that held the team with the most championship wins since 1970. Obviously, you don't want to go back further than that because 1969 was the establishment of the Super Bowl. So that keeps it fair for all of the leagues. Uh, we will go to Bill Clinton plays the sacks first. Yeah, we didn't think it was the uh, NFL um, Steelers and Patriots, we think, had six total. Um, so we went to uh, a league that has much more kind of runs uh, in their divisions. Uh, we think we think it's the NBA. Uh, yeah, we wagered 30 on this, and we're pretty sure that this is the NBA, and I'm 99% sure it's the Lakers. All right, here are the stats by league. Uh, the NFL is six, either the Patriots or the Steelers. Take your choice there. Uh, for the MLB, it's seven with the Yankees. NHL, NHL is eight with the Montreal Canadiens. And as y'all guessed, it is the NBA with 12 for the Lakers. So points to both teams there. And question five, uh, 24 in Somnomaniacs and 34, Bill Clinton plays the six. And this question was asking about the 2022 canceled series with a young, diverse female cast that also was written by the writer of Why the Last Man, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, Insomnomaniacs. Yeah, I'm an Ollie Wong fan, so I know she's credited on this show. Uh, we went with Paper Girls. Yeah, saw it promoted a lot on Prime. Um, didn't watch it, which is a shame because I know Brian K. Vaughn wrote for Lost, one of my favorite shows of all time. We said Paper Girls. And this is probably one of my favorite image series to come out of the 2010s. Paper Girls is a fantastic series, and I'm sad we're not going to see the full run on screen. But good lord, get out there, get the trade paperbacks. Series is fantastic. And that will conclude today's game. Uh, we have a very respectable score uh, at the Insomnomaniacs with 280, but with a very punishing 355. Bill Clinton plays the sax. Bill Clinton is the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Actually, I think Neil's the cream of the crop since he carried me the whole game. <laughs> it's the first time I felt like decent uh, mentally during a game, so I, I credit <laughs> the first to... time in 311 episodes. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So I credit JP and and the wonderfully worded questions uh, for helping me feel my best today. I recognize his game, as Shaq would say. Yeah, I try to do what I can. Glad you all enjoyed this set. It definitely played a lot better than my uh, first hosting gig, so I'm glad that. The questions played a lot better than that first set did. Yeah, and great work from Ellie too, pulling a lot of those tough questions. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. I did my best to do my you know Slumdog Millionaire and uh, <laughs> let my autobiography drive me. Any uh, <laughs> final shout outs for you? Yeah, um, I would love to shout out anyone who's ever been on my regular trivia team: uh, Alien versus Predator versus Brown versus Board of Education. Um, <laughs> Had, had a few iterations over the years. <laughs> that was there the whole time. Um, <laughs> and uh, when I lived in Chicago, I would do trivia with a couple of my friends over at the Wheelhouse. When it was the Wheelhouse on Ashland, um, that was I don't know maybe three bars ago from what it is now. Um, and of course, I would be remiss if I didn't shout out my uh, my wife Laura. Uh, she was watching our baby Ari um, while I was here hanging out with you guys. So thank you so much. I've been listening to you since, I believe, Geek Bowl in Vegas when you all had your ad up there. Oh, uh, oh cool. Uh, yeah, really appreciate the content you all are putting out every week, and, and thanks for having me. And uh, your great performance was partially thanks to JP's great questions. So thanks again to JP. Any final shout-outs for you? 
Yeah, I'll reiterate one of the shoutouts that I gave earlier, which was to all of the people who helped me test this over on the crops. Thank you to everybody who either did text or live test. And I'll give the same shoutout I gave in my last episode. Uh, support small local businesses. Uh, people are still doing a little bit of recovery after everything that's been going on. But even beyond that, um, Patreon is where a lot of small independent creators are getting most of their support right now. And there are a lot of people who have Patreons that could use your support. Guys over here at Triviality are one group that I support, but there's lots of independent artists, musicians, trivia writers that you can support over there. Find something that you're passionate about and support a creator who's making content that you personally enjoy. Very true. And thank, yeah, you, thank you, JP, for the, for the sentiment. Great. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't do it without Airwave Media. Um, they have such fine shows as Who Did What Now, Wake Me Up, and The Secret History of Hollywood. Yeah, you can go to airwavemedia.com to uh, check out all of those shows. And uh, yeah, we just uh, had so much fun today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, also, uh, if you'd like to take that survey again, uh, Ken, where can they find it? Yep, surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave, and the link is in the show notes. Awesome. Well, uh, we leave you with some parting words today uh, from a, a poet uh, known as S.A. Uh, Martinez. Nick oh, no, S.A. Martinez. Oh, okay. um, as he says in his poem uh, titled Down, uh, Light on my side as my ego becomes, a funky child with some words on my tongue. Be the intake of breath and my mouth gets loose, so while I scatter my spit, I dream of juice. Have you ever made out in a dark hallway, displayed a kiss that made the day? Or say, play a track from your record collection. It's your mix. Blah, 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 down, down. <laughs> wow, Neil's voice rings like a bell. Anyway. Well, yes, thank you, everyone. Thank you to JP, uh, to Ellie, Matt, Jeff, and Ken. Uh, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. Triviality.